Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. The first verse, or the verse that we're reading, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The word of the Lord. (laughs) The second scripture, just as long as the first, will be coming from Matthew 28, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. I like my scriptures to get right to the point. No difficult names to say that embarrass your associate pastors or anything like that. As I have aged, I have found myself saying things that I used to hate to hear. When I was your age, or back in my day, or it used to be that, mind you, I am only 34. Well, 34 and 11 twelfths years old. So at this rate, when I'm 40, I'll be telling kids to get off my lawn, turn down their hippity-hop music so that I could hear my birds at my feeder that I'm watching instead of television. My future is pretty bleak. (laughs) Nevertheless, when I started writing this sermon, the very first words I wrote down were, when I was your age, so why fight it? I'm going to turn into the skid. When I was your age, there was a company called No Fear. They produced some sports-related shirts. Uh, Here's one that says, bottom of the ninth, down by three, bases loaded, full count, two outs, no fear. Sometimes, though, they would venture into pop culture. Here is a shirt with Taz on it from Looney Tunes that was very popular back in the 90s simply posing next to what I assume is his motorcycle, and the shirt says, have no fear. I think about these shirts a lot, not because I still have any of them. In fact, I wasn't allowed to have any of them because my parents told me they were too racy for me. (laughs) I don't know exactly what is racy about it, but they were too racy for me. I think about these because We have gone from a society that has told its children, youth, and young adults to have no fear to a society that continually scares the bejesus out of all of us. Now, before I even get started, I don't want you to mishear me or twist what I'm saying. There is a lot in this world to be afraid of. If you don't believe me, watch any 24-hour news cycle. And I mean any of them. They all do the same fear-mongering tactics to stir people up. News knows that fear is a powerful hook to get people to watch. So, so much so that any sitcom that has ever had a news segment on it has a joke where the anchor says, Could your showerhead be killing you? Tune in at 11. (laughs) That is the earliest form of clickbait that I have ever seen. Fear equals ratings. I, however, am going to do the opposite today. I'm going to give you the advice of those super cool 90s t-shirts. 
and tell you to not be afraid. I'm hoping that I get to you before these types of news stories have infiltrated your mind and worked their way into your subconscious and convinced you that the world is to be completely and utterly feared. There is a miraculous, beautiful, endlessly possible world in front of you. And whenever there is such a beautiful appearance in front of someone in the Bible, the first thing that is usually said is do not be afraid. Just in our two stories today, we see an angel visit Mary and Jesus appear to women outside of the tomb after his resurrection and both say, do not be afraid. If there were ever two times to be afraid, it would be when suddenly a shining person stands in front of you in your closed house and says, hey. Or when the friend who you saw die suddenly appears to you walking and talking like literally nothing happened. Both of these moments would inspire some fear in me. And yet the first instructions given are, be not afraid. The Bible is full of this instruction, actually. 145 times the Bible says, do not be afraid. For reference, forgiveness is mentioned 127 times. And we think of forgiveness as one of the core tenets of our faith. So not being afraid must be pretty important. So today, I'm going to tell you to not be afraid of some of the things that society has told you to be afraid of. So here we go. I'm going to start with one that you might think you would think should be at the end. Don't be afraid of endings. For anyone who is a nerd like me, this year signifies the ending of several entertainment franchises. Last month, we got Avengers Endgame, which capped a 12-year Marvel movie arc. Now, I realize that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is continuing on, but this is definitely an ending point. Later today, we will have the final episode of Game of Thrones ever, a story that took 10 years to tell. And in December, we will get the ninth and, for me, definitively final episode of Star Wars whose franchise started all the way back in 1977. That is over 40 years of Star Wars. Going into this year, I spoke to Adam Hendrickson, who is a nerd like me, and I told him, I'm ready. I'm ready for these things to end. Not because I don't like them, I really, really do, but because endings are important. Everything ends. It's part of the story. It's part of life. Even the things that we love the most have their life cycle and their endings. You, as graduates, know this intimately right now and will continue to relearn this throughout the next few years and your life. Your high school career is at an end. Whether you loved it or you hated it or you're somewhere in between, it's done. Your friendships, the way you live at home, your life as you currently know it are all going through metamorphosis, and some parts are coming to an end. And that's okay. It's beautiful, even. Endings make way for new beginnings. Stories end so that other stories may be told. If things went on forever, then MASH would still be on the air, 
and we wouldn't have Game of Thrones. As you go through this summer and see ending after ending, know that you are making way for new stories in your life. And that is a good thing. Even if it's sad, it is a beautiful sadness. Don't be afraid of endings. My second thing that you should not be afraid of started as three separate points, but after I wrote them all down, I realized they all fell under one umbrella. So that umbrella is... Don't be afraid to be unashamedly, unabashedly, 100% who you are. Here are my subpoints. Don't be afraid of being a nerd. I have already referenced that. I am a nerd. Now, I don't know if this is prevalent as it was when I was in school, but if you found out that someone liked something nerdy, they would be made fun of endlessly in school. For those of you who haven't seen me on Wednesday nights, or been to my office, or known me for more than 20 minutes, you know that I love Batman. I try to work Batman into every sermon I give. You think it's my father that I work in every sermon. It's definitely Batman. This love started when I was a wee little tot and would watch Batman the animated series. That unbeknownst to me, was a gateway show to the world of Batman. After that, I started getting action figures and comic books and video games and live-action movies and more comic books. But back in my day, comic books, yes, I said back in my day, it's happening a lot this time, so just get used to it, kids. Comic books were only for nerds. So this wasn't something that you broadcasted or you would be made fun of. Now, though, if you go to my office, in my office alone, there is a Batman action figure, which was given to me by Jim Hempelman, a Batman plush doll, which was given to me by Patty Noble, a Batman canvas and a Batman poster, which was given to me by Robert Crable, and a Batman magnet that I think I actually got myself, but I'm not 100% sure. And today, under my robe, I have my Batman tie clip on. That was not planned, I just wanted to wear it. <laughs> living out your nerddom, living it out loud, is far superior to having it be something that you hide inside. I've thought about this for a while now, and I think that everybody is a nerd about something. You just have to find those people who nerd out about the same thing as you whether it be Batman, or music theory, or Dungeons and Dragons, or theology, or sports, or lifting heavy plates over and over and over again until your shirts don't fit quite right. <laughs> I don't know who I'm referencing. <laughs> Whatever it is, live fully into who you are and what gives you life. Do not be afraid to be a nerd. Subpoint two, do not be afraid to talk about the things that you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah, I'm going there. My parents' generation were taught that you did not talk about politics or religion in mixed company, in public, with family that disagrees, etc. This generation then taught my generation the same thing because it was polite. We don't talk about it because everyone is entitled to their own opinion. We don't want to offend anyone. 
but this doesn't really work anymore. If you never talk to people who disagree with you, then, and I mean actually talk, not debate online, you are doing yourself a disservice. You only hear your own opinion echoed back to you by others who share the same view. That is no way to grow or learn or be challenged. To learn how others see the world is to learn empathy. Learning about someone else's beliefs in the political and religious sphere is to grow your own worldview, to get a new perspective, and to grow as a person. Now, you won't agree with everyone you meet, so if you start to stunt those interactions with them based on their politics or their religion, then you'll be missing out on wonderful people along the large spectrum that is life, and you will be inhibiting your own growth as a person. So talk about politics. Why do you think what you think? Why do you support so-and-so or so-and-so? Have good, thought-through reasons and listen to others who have good, thought-through reasons that differ from yours. Talk about religion. Why do you believe what you believe? How are your beliefs similar to theirs? How are they different? How do those beliefs affect how you interact in and with the world? Be respectful in your disagreements. Genuinely try to see their side of the argument. Present your reasoning with compassion and love and reason and logic. Open your mind more than you, to more than you already know, and open your heart to as many people as you can. Do not be afraid to talk about these and other subjects that you are not supposed to. My final sub-point for point two is in Don't Be Afraid of Yourself is to not be afraid to be wrong. This goes with the last one. You are completely and totally allowed to hold your opinions and beliefs close to your heart, but leave room for the chance that you might be wrong. Being wrong isn't the worst thing in the world. In fact, it's not a bad thing at all. It's how we learn. If you're wrong about something, then you have the chance to learn what is correct. This is prevalent throughout our lives. There will be no point in your life where you know everything, where you never are wrong again. Let go of the pride that tells you that you have to be right all the time and be on the right side of an argument. There's no shame. There is shame that comes with being wrong, or learning what you were wrong. I'm going to try that again. <laughs> I was wrong. This wasn't planned. I actually just misread. <laughs> that was example one. There's this shame that comes with being wrong or learning that you were wrong and changing your mind. I think it's because being wrong is a form of failure and we do not like to fail. But that's a part of life. It's not a question of if you'll fail, it's just a question of when you'll fail. It is an inevitability. We have to make the most of it and learn from our failures. Don't internalize it and make it about how bad of a person you are or that you're the worst and you'll never be any good, but instead use it as a springboard, a motivation. 
Get up, dust yourself off, and try again. Don't be afraid to be wrong, and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to be exactly who you are and know that you are continually growing and learning, and that's okay. Be content, but not complacent. Finally, don't be afraid to abide by pitcher logic. Now, when I say pitcher, I do not mean pitcher. I mean pitcher. Now, what is the job of a pitcher? To fill glasses, right? That is also your job, metaphorically, unless you work in a restaurant and then it's literally, but we're dealing with the metaphor now. Your job is to go out into the world and fill people with love and hope and peace, to provide life-giving substance from who you are. When people are empty and in need of help, to be there to help fill them up. But this comes with a couple caveats. Firstly, you can only fill people with what you're full of. Now, some of you heard me. I heard a giggle. <laughs> some of you aren't quite there yet, but we're getting there. If a pitcher is filled with water, then that is all you can serve. If a pitcher is filled with sludge, then that is all it can serve. Likewise, if you are full of hope and love and compassion then that's what you will be pouring into other people in the world. However, if you are full of something else, then that too is what you will be pouring into other people. A pitcher can only pour what has been put into it. So make sure that you fill your pitcher with love and compassion, patience, joy, and hope that can only be found in God. Speaking of filling your pitcher, and I can't say pitcher anymore. It doesn't sound like a word anymore to me. It's killing me. You cannot serve from an empty one. Make sure that you take time to fill yourself. Take care of yourself. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus would recuse himself and go to be alone. He would take time to recharge and fill his pitcher so that he could keep going in his ministry. You need to do the same. Whatever fills you up, whatever recharges you, make sure that you take time to do that. Write in a journal, pray, spend time in nature, listen to music, go for a walk, play basketball, watch Netflix, play Mario Kart and turn your brain off for a little while. Do what you need to do to fill your pitcher. Make sure that you continually fill your pitcher, but never forget that you are a pitcher, and a pitcher's job is to fill others. Fill yourself up. Participate in self-care. But know that you are doing that so that you may continue to fulfill your purpose in filling others' cups. Do not be afraid to abide by pitcher logic. Now, before I finish, I do want to say that this is a very special Sunday for me. When I first arrived here seven years ago, yes, it's been seven years, it flew by. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Did it not fly by for you guys? It felt like 20 years for you? Okay, that's fine, that's fine. But when I first arrived, these youth, who are now graduates, were my sixth graders. They were the first youth 
that have only had me for their entire youth experience, and I'm so very sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know the intelligence and the passion that each one of you possesses, and I am so excited to see what you do in this world. As you walk out of here today, I hope that you will carry with you the wisdom of all of the classes that have gone before you and the love of everyone who surrounds you here. Remember to never be afraid of endings, never be afraid of being exactly who you are, and never be afraid to abide by pitcher logic. Congratulations, class of 2019, and amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.